The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market insight and analysis. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The chair, Jay Powell, in a speech largely focused on central bank independence and less so on the economy and monetary policy. Speaking in Stockholm, uh, will say that price stability is the bedrock of the economy. He'll say it provides the public with immeasurable benefits over the long term. However, he says restoring price stability with high inflation can require unpopular policies, at least in the short term. Uh, Then he turns to his uh, general topic here, which is that the Fed must continuously earn its independence and do so by delivering on its mandates of maximum employment and price stability. Preserving the Fed's independence means that uh, Powell says we should stick to our knitting. The Fed should resist, he says, temptation to, quote, broaden our scope. Uh, And then he goes on to say that new goals for the Fed without a statutory mandate from Congress, can end up threatening the Fed's independence. Uh, Specifically, he talks a bit about climate change here, saying climate change policy should be left to elected officials. The Fed responsibilities on climate change should be limited to the narrow area of assessing potential financial risk through its bank supervision responsibilities. It is inappropriate, Powell says, for the Fed to use its tools to promote a greener economy And he makes a very definitive statement. We are not, he says, and will not be, quote, a climate change policy maker. So that's pretty much it from a short speech that uh, Powell's delivering in Stockholm. Not much on the economy there, Carl, uh, but maybe uh, he's happy to let the uh, comments of other Fed officials, which have been on the hawkish side, kind of ride and doesn't have much to add to them. We'll see uh, when and if he decides to give a more definitive statement. a statement on, on economic policy uh, and monetary policy, uh, my guess would be it would not come until after the Thursday uh, CPI report. Carl? Uh, Steve, thank you for that. Steve Leisman, uh, futures coming off the lows as the market had been a little bit nervous going into those remarks, and we'll watch for Q&A with Steve. Uh, good Tuesday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Uh, Jim, thoughts on what we just heard? Well, look, I think it's uh, pretty much part of the course. I don't think that there's... Uh, any direction that we're going to get, as, as Steve said, until after Thursday. But we're, we're kind of stuck in a world where the instant reaction was, you know what, here we go. It's finally going to get better. And then we had a couple of Fed heads yesterday say, please, don't get too bullish. And David, one of the things that I think that we're at the throes of is we've been there before at the cusp of when you think that the, the tightening cycle is going to end. You've been through a number of tightening cycles. Yes. And there, there's gun jumping every single time. And I thought Friday was gun, gun jumping. You did, based on the number. Yeah, I mean, one number. They're telling you over and over again, one number does not make it. The, now, the PMI was weaker. And factors were weaker. Right. Those do matter. But I keep finding when I listen to we've, businesses, we do not have that weakness that no, you expect. And we've got a market and we've got a lot of participants who are anxious for to gun jump, to actually believe they think that there is going to be a turn coming. At the same time, I will say that amongst the chorus of those who continue to believe that we're headed for a significant slowdown, 
uh, and therefore don't want to own equities even at this point, even with what have obviously been discounted valuations versus a year ago, Jim, they're not budging. I haven't heard that group, and I sort of go back to these same people who smartly got very uh, negative right. to neutral, let's call it, last June. They are still there. But I listened to Dick Fisher this morning. This is a man who's really been around, a, a true veteran of, of the Fed. And he just said, remember, we're starting this from a, an amazing position of employment, which really is a good thing that we forget that when we have this kind of, uh, of employment, we can suffer some unemployment against inflation. And it's funny, I was listening to him and saying, wow, that's, that's a kind of a logical, rational view. We don't, the train doesn't have to be wrecked in order to stop inflation. So, Carl, I come back and say, look, it, Go gun jump if you want to. Gun jump with, uh, with industrials, which have reasonable valuations. Don't gun jump with these high growth but very high multiple technology stocks where I think they're going to be battlegrounds. And, and just in terms of apropos of news, Microsoft, $10 billion into this AI thing, which is a lot of fun. I mean, you could write a poem about yourself with AI. But then again, uh, we've got questions about whether Azure is strong. And we sat, sit here, and those of us who watch CNBC Asia wish we had. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk more about uh, that, that semaphore report. Interesting, though, I mean, Goldman yesterday wrote mostly better news. Core PCE sequentially last two months, uh, annualized 2.6. That's uh, half the pace of last year, right? I mean, a lot of wood is getting chopped. Oh, no, I think that things are going the right way, and I think that Look, I've been the soft landing pal camp to the point where people are saying, you know, it's like that I'm just a cheerleader for pal. I know, David, you have, because you are skeptical and wry, have given me one of those when I say, you know, pal's pretty good. <laughs> you, 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 you do not uh, give I, me the high side that I no, I let you doing. pass judgment on the Fed chair, uh, one way or the other. I mean, listen, you believe that he is on the right path and yes, has been. Yes, that said, uh, you and I went back and forth a lot during, let's call it the 21 period, where there was the question as to whether it was transitory or not. That right. being inflation. Right. And many and people I thought believe it was, the Fed moved way too late. Right. And I thought that it was uh, that when they won commodity inflation, that that would be the clarion call. And it wasn't. It was wage inflation. And I did not get that right as much as at my um, birthday party. When you told in the Fed 20 birthday party where you said that, <laughs> Kramer is talking about this strange pandemic and everyone's Are going we to gonna say, go back and forth now about all the things we got well, wrong. If you're going to I can't go, wait till your next birth big birthday so that I can actually apologize not apologize, but make fun of myself. Yes. We're talking about the at his sixty fifth, which is actually amazingly, oh my God, gonna be coming up three years soon. Um you were making a lot of crazy comments about pandemic. and all of them ended up being right uh, about well, COVID. Well, I mean I think that one of the things that we do in this show that I wish that others a little refreshing is you have to own the fact that I thought the commodity inflation was what was being targeted. Uh, and I felt that once we saw aluminum or lumber come down or copper come down, uh, oil come down in particular, that that would be a, a sense that they're winning. And they turned out to not think that that mattered, mm-hmm. that they were worried about wage. And it was difficult to see what they were targeting. But once they saw it, every little thing about wage, like Friday, is a sign that maybe you should jump in. But people are jumping in to things where the numbers are going to be cut in the next five weeks. And I think that's not a great thing. You mean from an earnings standpoint? Yeah, I mean, look, we have this vacuum right now where it's just so easy to say good things. 
And then when the numbers come out, like we sold some Microsoft yesterday. I swore that we would never sell for the Chapel Trust because Microsoft's the ultimate buy and hold stock. But I listened to Nadella talk about how on uh, Indian TV, it's going to be two tough years. And I said, is he really saying buy the stock? I think he's saying hunker down. Well, if I'm going to hunker down, I'm not going to hunker down in the stock of Microsoft. That's not where you hunker. Where's the, where are we on a multiple on Microsoft? 25-26. 25-26? Yeah. I mean, Mike Santoli yesterday, they were talking about the fact that we are at a lower multiple than we've seen in quite some time, at least in a early part of a new Very year. True. Very but true. your your opinion would be that the numbers cuts have not yet come through. Well, look, I just know that when someone cuts numbers, no matter where the multiple is, the stock goes down. Unless it's a situation like a new core, which sells it four or five times earnings, and they cut it, and people say, okay, that even after the cut, the stock mm-hmm. remains cheap. Uh, look, I, I'm not a bear or a bull. I'm just saying that on Friday, for instance, we get the we get the bank numbers. I think they're going to be okay. Because uh, the banks have not seen these delinquencies that people keep talking about. They're the ally, the wow. you know, symphony. I mean, we did get Capital Jeffries Run. after the bell last night. I think Carl was going to go there, too, yeah. uh, but, which sometimes can be a bit of a road right. in terms of what we're going to see. As you might expect, capital markets activity was muted, as we all know. Uh, that stock looks to be perhaps down as much as 3%. We'll keep an eye on shares. I think that's Jeffries. an overreaction. I actually thought um, the quarter was okay. They got an annual return on adjusted tangible equity, 7.2%. Uh, and again, um, they did repurchase almost 4 million shares of stock. But, uh, but again, uh, you know, down 38% investment banking revenues from what was an incredible 21 for so many of these banks when it came yeah. to the capital market. Speaking of Jeffries, uh, they cut Ally and Capital One today to hold. Talking about the auto finance cycle, relatively low ROE and that interest margin. Carl, the long knives are out for those companies. Yeah. I mean, we have JP Morgan saying Symphony messy, Capital One messy, even Market Express messy. Now, these are all people who really believe that the recession is going to be a tougher one. And I'm coming back and saying, I'm not even seeing a recession yet. I'm seeing a slowdown. Well, Goldman pulled their recession call for Europe. That was incredible that Goldman pulled it. That was based on energy costs coming down? Well, I mean, they're they're full up. I have Kotaro on tonight. And Kotaro is one of the largest producers of natural gas in this country. One of the reasons natural gas has been plummeting, in part because of this warm weather, but also because, you know, sorry, Russians, they figured out a way to get natural gas. And if, you know, Putin, another misjudgment by Putin. I mean, I don't want to be too international. Uh, well, no, but it's important. Major misjudgment. Yeah. And by something that Paul Tudor Jones talked about, the warm weather throwing yet another wrench into uh, the macro playbook uh, to a large degree. It's going to make uh, seasonal activity in the first half of this year stronger than you would have thought. He also talked about the Fed's approach to battling inflation. Here's what he said. I kind of think that they'll stop short of breaking the economy. Um, a lot of it depends on how inflation plays out. I think the inflation that we have right now is because, primarily because of extraordinary fiscal stimulus and extraordinary monetary stimulus, not because of the fact that workers are getting a fair share for a change. Not Tepper-esque, would you say? No, but you, you remember Dave, Dave Tepper is, is, can change his mind, uh, can say, look, I think that things have gotten a little bit better. I, I always get the sensei on Friday where he just said, look, you, know, you got to have a little, maybe more of a flat book. I, I, I think people at home are owed a particular explanation on things. You get a guy like David Tepper, okay? And he may see a different setup on a different day and try to flatten his book or not be as big short. And 
I, the same thing when we get these 13 Ds at the end. They are snapshots of a moment. That 13 Gs. 13 really, Gs. Yeah. And I, what I, I'm sorry. And what I, what I really don't like is I want people at home to like what they own, not listen and then like what they own. Because people change their minds. And I, I, thought, I find that if we report on, on something that is static, then we end up maybe reporting on something that you might take action on. Like Dave Tepper. I speak to, to Dave a lot. And, you know, Dave changes his mind because he's a very good manager who is not dogmatic. Now, you mentioned those dogmatic managers who are not going to budge. And well, they haven't and yet. It doesn't mean they yet. won't. But David does not play that, that way. David's, look, I've known David since, since he uh, trashed me in front of uh, probably 100 people um, when I was at the Goldman, uh, at Goldman when I went down there and asked him that I could buy something and made, you know, got on a chair and screamed my name and said that he wanted to know my name so he could show everyone who not to emulate. And I, that, that's how we became friends. Oh, good. You got off to a good start. Right. That's how we became friends. I mean, we became friends because I was mortified. I wanted to cry. <laughs> my mom was still alive then and I wanted to call her, you know, and. That's the kind of guy Dave can be. And ever since then, we've been buddies. It's a beginning it's of, a night, relationship. of a beautiful friendship. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, not all friendships start the same way. <laughs> no, true. they don't. Uh, we're watching Coinbase today uh, announcing layoffs for the second time in less than a year. As part of its restructuring plan, the company plans to cut 20% of workforce, almost 1,000 jobs, citing ongoing market conditions impacting crypto. Uh, Brian Armstrong uh, telling our Kate Rooney, quote, with perfect hindsight, looking back, we should have done more. Uh, the best you can do is react quickly once information becomes available, and that's what we're doing in this case. Interesting blog by Armstrong in which he says, dark times weed out bad companies. wonder who he's referring to there. Well, uh, we had Mike Novogratz on talked about certain weaker companies. Coinbase was down at one point. It was up very big uh, yesterday. I find, look, I, I know that it's always very difficult to paint with a broad brush, but I continue to rely on, on uh, John Stark, who I'm, I know from SEC enforcement, who's in there for 18 years, just saying, listen, it's just beginning. The, the den of thieves is being revealed. David, you see every day a new person rut be able to say, hey, listen, I've got something to say to the U.S. attorney. And that means that you have to give up someone. And at a certain point, as we know from reporting on this, they'll say, you know what? Sam Bankman, we got we got a lot on him. Who else? Right. And at that point, you have to say, well, I don't want to go to jail. I've got some information about such and such a company. You know the way it works. It they, does work that way if they can, if they can actually build a case that goes beyond, sure. Right. Uh, or there's somebody else of, of great interest. We don't know that, though, Jim, at no, but, but all. We have no sense for that. Right now, the case that's been built is certainly against Sam Bankman-Fried. It does appear the government has a number of key witnesses. Right. They're going to bolster its ability to bring well, a very forceful case, but we'll see how his, def how his defense plays out. I, I think that people periodically misjudge. The government plays with unlimited firepower. Okay, which a lot of people dismiss because they think they're smarter than the government. And they got to know. I mean, when I went to Harvard Law, who were the... Hey, well, I went to Harvard. I had to mention that. Um, it, the top of the, of the class all went to the Southern District. And, you know, they, they didn't go there to pick the names out of the phone book. No, they're very capable. Yeah. And as you say, that said, some of these... Uh, People who they focus on through the years also have almost unlimited resources themselves. That's true. And certain ones have been able to fend off 
uh, the feds to some right. extent. But not if they have a web of, uh, of people who are squawking in order to save themselves no. from going to jail. No. That's a very powerful, uh, uh, let's say you've got some really fabulous snitches. Um, you expect, therefore, that there's going to be more uncovered beyond FTX? Absolutely. And when I look at, at uh, I look at these you do. prices today, Ether- oh, Ethereum's running. Oh, please. Ethereum's running. Oh, well, there you go. GameStop. Let me get in that one before it gets to, for really, at 450. Let me get in that one because that thing's about to break out. AMC, David, 60. You never, people are going to go to the movies again. So maybe you want to get in there. Now, the CEO family sold some, but isn't this the moment? I sold plenty, right. Your point is that they're not dissimilar from those meme stocks of two, two years ago. I don't think they are at all. Yeah. Not one bit, except for the meme stocks may have had a, a greater degree of honesty. Stupidity, but honesty. Look, I don't care. But if my mentions come, someone's going to say something mean. You know, bring it on. Like, I'm thrilled. Waste your whole day. Just do nothing but attack me. You'll have a really productive day. GameStop's, and I'll be laughing my darn fool head off because I'm not even still has a $5 billion dollar market value. Well, there you go. And AMC is still around $2 billion. Well, yeah. And how's the balance sheet at AMC? Not very good. Right. I Look, Carl, I, I just think that when I look at the... Uh, when, when, when I looked at, at crypto and I look at, at, at what's going on, I'm thinking, well, you know, we've got some pretty good situations. No. No, just crypto, just no. Yep, I, I think your patience is long, long gone regarding uh, some of these. Look, uh, and I made a lot of money in it because I made a bet with a fellow by the name of Pomp where he said, listen, you put X in Ethereum, you're going to make a ton of money. And I said, okay. And then I forgot about it because sometimes you forget about things. Sure. Well, it was the best thing I've ever done. Right. But, you know, it was also the most stupid. I mean, my, Lisa saw it. My wife saw it and said, why are you in that? I said, well, because it's going higher. She's Oh, that's a time-honored reason to stay in. <laughs> Going higher. Take a look at the pre-market here as we get set for the opening bell. Keeping our eye on Q&A regarding Powell, but we've come off the session lows. We'll get to Apple and some of this news about chip suppliers, Bed Bath, a lot of calls on Boeing, Delta, the cruise lines, Netflix, AT&T when we come back. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. 
For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Yields, of course, uh, remain one of the stories of the week. Got tantalizingly close to three and a half yesterday. Bouncing a little bit today as we uh, get closer and closer to that important print of CPI on Thursday. We'll get Kramer's Mad Dash and the opening bell in less than 10 minutes. Every day, thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. All right, let's get to a mad dash. We've got seven minutes before we get started with trading here at the New York Stock Exchange. We want to venture into uh, my territory a little bit, Warner Brothers yes. Discovery. We knew we had Bank of America, Warner Brothers. We had Jessica Reeve uh, early talking about how it's an improving narrative. This morning, Goldman Sachs comes out and says, favorite media stock, Warner Brothers Discovery. So I immediately got in touch with David Zaslav, who we know, and he goes, we hit 2023 with, with the merger phase of Warner Brothers Discovery behind us. Exclamation point. We now have real command and control of the combined business. Warner Brothers Discovery's premium diversified assets, and that's HBO, Warner Brothers, CNN, and the largest TV and motion picture library. Our global footprint positions us for long-term sustainable growth. A company has real meaningful cash flow. I believe we have the best hand in media, and our best days are ahead. Now, David, I point this out because there are a lot. Of, well, look at this move. I mean, by the way, maybe, you know, in the year right now for them. Right. I know people are saying, you know what, I got to get out at some 23. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's very hard to find a stock of momentum, David. It's true. Uh, obviously, a terrible year last year, but there is a belief perhaps that they're going to be able to deliver on those synergies. Right. Most of that coming this year in terms of the cost synergies. And the new strategy. But we'll see. Still haven't, you know, the, the overall streaming product. That combines right. everything. We're still waiting for that to and see how that hits the market. And there's rumors CNN's for sale, of which, you know, $800 million. $800 million instead of a billion in terms of, you know, cash flow from that asset. What kind of a multiple would you get? Who would buy it? Right. I've heard plenty uh, of things out there about it. Very much unclear whether that really would happen. And we see, obviously, it's not been. No, you know, not at all. David, not at how all. much is My hearing, you question? get a little positive on it, too, though? Right, well, how, okay. I think that here, no, it made no sense. Here, there's some optionality, and I, I was worried about. T- I'm still worried about live sports because it's so compelling, and they don't have enough. Uh, but I will say that that Mr. Zaslav is an incredibly competent. Now yeah. that sounds too damning. I think he's a real smart guy. He's still dealing with the with the slow but steady dissolution of the cable ecosystem. Absolutely. They so still I got think plenty it, of those that der- that derive a lot of the but, cash flow for the company but I from that. Respect Goldman. And I respect Jessica at Bank of America. So yeah. I say, if you've been selling it, give it a, take a cessation on the sell. Okay. We've got a lot more stocks, of course, we're going to keep you up on. And by the way, you can catch us anytime, anywhere. Remember, you can listen to and follow the Squawk on the Street opening bell podcast. We've got an opening bell coming up. This is an inflation super cycle. And what I've been saying is, Good consumer packaged goods companies can navigate these inflation super cycles if you've got three things in place. Great brands, great processes, and great people. And we've got all three. But it's a process. It's not going to fix itself overnight. You get hit with higher costs. You announce your pricing. You wait about 90 days till that pricing goes in effect. While that happens, you've got some margin compression. 
But once you get on the other side of that 90 days, you start to see margin recovery. And that's exactly what's happening for us. And the good news is throughout all of that, demand for our products has been resilient and our sales are strong. That's ConAgra's chief with Jim last night on Mad Money. Some of these companies wouldn't mind if inflation stuck around for a while, It Jim. is very interesting. And Sean is a delightful man who has bought bird's eye and put it through the ConAgra way. And I, he's got some just tremendous brands that we all know. Every single popcorn is really seems to be his. And uh, it, I would say like, I had some Slim Jims last night. He's got a lot of brands, David Chef Boyardee, that you were able to put through a price increase. And they are they're holding Darn right. Who wouldn't? Well, Chef Boyardee. Work from home. I mean, you want you want popcorn? Work from home. I think it's great. Not bad for you. Act two or the red mat. They they got them. You got to be right. The inflation goal is what you're writing. They have the brands. They can raise the price. Here's a look at the opening bell and the CNBC real time exchange of the big board. The New York City Department of Buildings. Buildings. And Milrose Consultants, John Dallin and Son, celebrating the NYSE Podium Accessibility Project of the NASDAQ, Deloitte Bay Area Fast 500 winning companies. Um, yeah, you gotta, you gotta eat something, Jim, popcorn while you're watching well, Netflix. Well, I think that one of the things that went their way, actually, we talked about that, binging. Uh, people like to, ha- to binge with snacks and work from home, and they have this kind of unique pastiche of brands that really tended to work well from home. Uh, I I happen to like the guy. Sean is terrific. And I keep trying to get them to do new things. Like they sent me a Duncan Hines candle. And when I light it, I feel like I'm back in my mom's kitchen in 1962. And I just love it. The nostalgia for the brands does matter too. These are brands that are household brands. They're in your, they're in your refrigerator and they're in your pantry. And they, they made a very big comeback. There was a time when we thought pantry was not great. The, Frozen food aisle. Millennials love frozen food. They heat it up. They're on the go. Yeah, although they don't love high sodium and all that stuff. Well, they've got some lower sodium. You had to be negative. <laughs> well, you know, I had to. Yeah, I mean, because you're like you crushing dreams. You're like, yeah, I'm sorry to crush your dreams. You're throwing out stuff here. It's just like, oh, this yeah. This is where you Everybody's st- back to eating the most no, no, unhealthy no. foods you could possibly imagine from when I was growing up and everything was made of purely of chemicals in a can. No, you say, you know what? My son's in college and I can't believe how much he just eats bird's eye and he absolutely loves it. It's really true. Jim, you're on to something. <laughs> Hey, Jim, uh, free market was obviously nervous ahead of Powell, but it appears to be a bit of a push today, right? Well, I think that we're that close yesterday, that just the sickening Dow Jones close really, I think, is once again a sign that we just don't have a lot of new money coming in. The mighty Dow collapsed yesterday and uh, there were a few semiconductors that stayed up. I want to watch on semi today because it's a very good semiconductor company, but it's uh, ON is involved with autos. And you know, people are there's the long knives are out for autos, too. Wow, I'll tell you that or either that or some of the Apple suppliers, uh, Broadcom and Qualcomm, oh, both in the crosshairs of these reports, Jim, that say Apple wants to bring more of this stuff in-house. But I think people have to recognize that when you see Qualcomm out to 2025, that's actually slower than people thought. Broadcom, uh, I think that Broadcom, Hock Tan, is someone, he, they're talking about losing $1.5 billion to $2.5 billion, making it up with VMware. Uh, I've never find, David, that it's been a great idea to bet against Hock Tan from Broadcom. No, One of the over people out. Take there. a look at a longer term chart there. Obviously, very acquisitive, still in the midst of closing another very large deal. Um, VM, VMware. VMware. Uh, 
But that would seem to be a blow, potentially, if this report is correct. Absolutely. And I don't know that million. it is. I think it's Bloomberg. A push to replace the chips inside its devices with homegrown components could include dropping a key Broadcom part by 2025 is the key part of the well, report. I mean, now, the question is, is that a difficult product for Apple to build? A lot of people feel that you know, these are things they can say that they're going to do. My experience with Apple is you're not allowed to talk if you're one of their uh, customers, one of their suppliers. You're not supposed to talk about it. But I w- uh, this Apple doesn't like you to do that. But I wouldn't bet against uh, Hawk Tan. I wouldn't bet against Apple. But Hawk Tan's going to need that uh, the VMware acquisition to come through. He's been very good at at, at, at getting rid of what did you say? Du- getting rid of du- du- without a people? doubt. He's very good at, at buying things and conceivably cutting costs significantly. But listen, if Apple is really moving out t- more towards its own, I mean they're the la- one of the largest single customers this company has. Doesn't mean yeah. it's for this one. Oh, it is so actually very big. Broadcom's biggest customer. Yeah. It's like twenty yes. percent. Yes. So, well, you, we have such the cross currents, Carl. What confusing things. So you have on semi, it's down very badly today, down two and a half bucks. That's that is auto. At the same time, you have NXPI. Uh, and that got an upgrade today, and that one is auto, and it's up 3.2. So we start thinking, this is very typical so far of this very short year, you know, not as many days, but there's something that says buy and something that says sell, and it's whoever spoke last. I mean, we're seeing the waste stocks go down today. I mean, geez, those are good companies. But if you want to sell them and... Well, that's just that's just a comment on economic activity, right? Ex- I mean. Exactly. And I don't like the fact that people have so little conviction. There's just no conviction. David, you come in and people say, well, you know what? That number on Friday was good. Oh, but this number's bad. Oh, but Mary Daly did this. Oh, but Dick Fisher did that. Have some conviction before you buy Warner Brothers Discovery. <laughs> well, as you point out, now you're just buying a momentum. That stock, Does Disney that stock have has, has gained a quarter of its market value in the last, was uh, it the only thing last ex- six trading days. Was the only thing exciting about that the championship last night that there was that Bob Iger was there? Bob Iger was there and looking well Hands as on. always. Yes. Hands on. Yes. Four days a week. Does Hands that on. matter? Right. Yesterday reports uh, Mr. Iger sent out a memo saying we expect to see you at Disney if you're here four days a week. What do you think? Uh, in person because we are a collaborative company and creative company and that requires collaboration and do you think i agree that with that personally as you know and anybody who's watched our show for any length of time knows i am not one of those who believes we're doing well by being home or working remotely but there are a great many employees out there who would vast who would disagree well, with that statement jim and the- and you know that and they still have a lot of weight in the marketplace mr Iger uh, is telling them hey we expect you to be in four days a week because there's tremendous value there, being together with the people you work with. I think many CEOs feel similarly, but but perhaps they do not feel they have the leverage yet to actually be able to do that. Well, this is this. This is the first one I've seen who basically says, look, here's the deal. Four days. Well, I mean, no. Dave Solomon's done it. Uh, A number of other CEOs have done it. Financial services, the culture there is one that kind of, you know, you do still top down, okay, we'll be in. But many of the technology companies have been slower. They've tried. Maybe they got people back two days. They've even said three, but people aren't showing up three. And everybody's, Friday is no longer a, I mean, I don't know, is it really a work day? Is it really a work day? Well, even Iger's talking Monday to Thursday. Yeah. I get into work, so Friday, I'm like on one of those Joby aviation things. 
I mean, I can't believe how, how early I get into it. Yeah, but can you, I, can you're I, a guy who wears a tie after 6 o'clock at I night I wear still tie too. gardening. I wear I Brioni gardening. Yeah, so and Brioni, that's how, I, you, that's how I have some of the best you demands. You are the definition of an anachronism. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, it does actually bring us to some other media names. Barclays today, uh, Netflix, recent stock performance, largely a function of positioning. We believe maybe a crowded long, given the lack of near-term okay, so, visibility, right, right, reiterate right, right. neutral. Okay, so that's the kind of analyst that, that I, I, when you look at your icon, what, who are you? I'm chill. You know, you put, you know, who's, who's watching, chill. Okay. Um, I have never seen so, when I press chill, because I am chill. Sure. Yes. Uh, I have never seen so much new programming. And yet they come out and say negative things. You know, this is about programming. And I say that because when you're on their conference call, there's Ted Sarandos. He's like, hey, what are you watching? Remember during that period where there was not much? There was like, hey, you know, wow. We got now, I mean, I'm watching these. There isn't a day that goes by I don't say, can you believe that? And wow. they are. They continue to pump it out and spend You're watching something right now having popcorn. What is it that you're watching? We're finishing something on Paramount, believe it or not. Is that 1923? Yeah. No, no, The Offer, which has been really fun. Uh, offers, yeah. We've had the showrunner been on. enjoying that yeah. one. And probably going to probably dive into Yellowstone way late. Okay. Because uh, we're way behind on that one. So that's, See, the, that's the plan. In I've the been diving household. into Unscripted, you know, about I'm Mal Dunnett, Jim Stewart's new book. Right. Uh, it doesn't present Sumner Redstone in the light that I would have. No, well, you're the only person who's actually read the book because oh, it know, has well, yet to be released. Interesting enough, Les Moonves doesn't fare as well in the book. Jeez, I wonder why. It's shocking to me. Um, guys, I do want to talk about uh, deals, uh, a prospective deal in healthcare. Huh? CVS. Oh, Oak Me Street. This is a Bloomberg story from late yesterday. It did send the stock up in the pre-market, but it's following through with an almost uh, 29% gain. I'm talking about Oak Street Health. This is a company that um, runs primary care centers for Medicare uh, patients. And this is a Bloomberg story. Uh, I have nothing to share on it, but I will share some analysis and a couple of uh, investors who said, well, Listen, makes sense, potentially, and we know CVS has been looking in this area. Remember the potential Cano deal that was at least uh, brooded about, didn't end up happening. That stock sank to new lows. In, but this one is larger. It would be dilutive, um, and it would likely mean, uh, that would be in the intermediate term, and it would likely mean that they would not be able to complete the $15 in buybacks that are currently modeled by many uh, analysts. At, for CVS. That's so, very significant. We'll see. Um, remember, they lost that star, some of their star ratings on Medicare. They did lose that. That was back in October, uh, did uh, uh, CVS. But on the dilution, the impact on their buyback, that's a question mark here. Uh, and so don't have much to share in terms of any of my own reporting, sorry to say. Certainly know there's been a great interest from CVS in acquiring these potential assets. But if they do go through with it, some of their shareholders may be a bit disappointed in terms of or want to hear a lot more about what it will mean. It does feel like, I mean, if you go read about it, Medicare, it reminds me of the late Michael Nydorff's model for Centene. Right. Uh, And it does uh, have, it dovetails. But, Carl, the reason why we like CVS versus, say, Walgreens is is that they bought Aetna. The cash is spewed. Everybody mm-hmm. knows it's the better of the two. And it's interesting. These are what companies that are presenting at J.P. Morgan. Are they like meeting the um, hall? And I'm glad, you men- I'm glad you mentioned that because I think CVS is presenting at 1115 Eastern today. Um, 
very much unclear whether they'll share any thoughts at all about this story or anything else, but just in case people will uh, should know that they are presenting at JP Well, Morgan. they are breaking a lot of news at that conference. We have our own Meg Terrell there. And I want to see what Regeneron has to say. They had a new product, but it was overshadowed by some potential slowest in Ilea. And uh, Len Schleifer is a terrific spokesperson. He's got some new things about uh, about COVID. But Carl, like COVID just doesn't, you know, it's kind of like people just say, it's the flu. Uh, I still test periodically. I come on my test. I don't know, like I test because like oh, I got nothing to do. I te- it's like I'm not binging. I'm testing. God, I haven't tested in so long. Thank you. Haven't tested in so long. I don't even think I got about some it. Great test, man. Do you? Why would I want? I mean, I was I was I was early with don't test, don't tell, but now I just don't test at all. <laughs> come on, wait. Lisa said, "What do you do?" I said, "Well, I'm just going to test." She says, "Why? Why? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't why? tested lately. Why? I I was in a room with a lot of people." I thought that was like aerosol. Like could be, it could be in the room. Uh, it's a far cry from where we were 12 months ago, right? Omicron was raising all kinds of questions about China, about our country, about uh, vaccines and treatments, uh, and about travel, Jim. Uh, Morgan Stanley today, uh, since the beginning of Q3, or since October 3rd, Boeing up 65 versus the S&P up 7. Well, that, um, but that, we think that supply chain is going to be an impediment to cash generation. That downgrade yeah. to equal weight, just it's interesting, just when you have momentum, they come in and just slash it. And I happen to think that Boeing uh, is one that it could be a big year uh, because of the orders, because Delta is recommended as a kind of stock of the year by uh, what by by Bank of America. They. They, yeah, Bank of America reiterate by 43, but their point is that they've added so many. The industry's hired 11,000 pilots, right. and that's going to allow the industry to finally start getting some and capacity. so few pilots. It's really interesting. Yeah, look, I think people at, at home at Greg Eyes, we see, we look at all the research, and the research is heavily skewed toward stay away from these credit companies because they are going to be hurt in a recession. It, it's not uh, uh, all positive. I mean, there is just a, wow, I guess... When you see American Express, people think it's going to be a messy quarter. I think American Express could do well, but there are a lot of people who think, David, that it's just a matter of time. And anybody who has credit risk, which is mean Fridays, the stakes are going to be very high. Right. Well, there's continued questions in terms of the consumer, right? Right. And whether they're going to be able to withstand what may be starting to be some job losses and or. Well, I don't I mean, again, that goes to the heart of the of the question overall. Are we really going to see significant job losses? Yes, we see cutbacks of certain companies, certainly technology-focused companies that bulked up enormously over the last year or two years. But are wages really going to come down in a way that's going to actually hurt the credit quality of a portfolio like... No, and no more than ConAgra's prices have fallen. I mean, people are... Look, wages are are up, but but that number on Friday did indicate that you could have a level off. Look, I mean, there's some hawks on the Fed, Fed that really do, I think, want to wreak, wreak little havoc in order to get where they have to. But I think that Jay Powell has got very good command of things, and there's room. I don't know how to get ConAgra's prices down other than someone else come in underneath them uh, and just say, listen, ours is every bit as good. Uh, to me, the ultimate one that has been able to do that is Costco. Like, if you go to Costco, their Kirkland brand, as they would tell you, is a trade-off. And Costco's stock is really starting to make a move. Uh, that chart does not reflect the move. In the last three months, it's starting to come back. But 
you know, Carl, I, I think I look at all these companies and it's just a question of you've got this tremendous, you've got people who say, listen, you got to buy Freeport because after we're through with the recession, you buy copper. No, you can't do that. No one can see through a recession. You can't just say, you know what, this is the time to buy tech, T-E-C-K, because in six months we're going to be, all oh, the downturn's going to be it. No, David, people don't have that patience. They don't. Oh, say something. It's a podcast, well, darn it. Well, to what David said earlier, I mean, if you look at, say, S&P discretionary versus staples, you're not really seeing some kind of run to cyclical growth. No. It's no, just not happening but, yet. But I look, I saw a caterpillar number cut. I didn't mean to hit you with the pen. I no, you did. Right? You okay. did. No, you did. Unlike that poor bear. guy who still, you know, you threw the phone at him 25 years ago. He yeah. had it coming. I'm sure he did. Yeah, I, th- I only threw phones when I thought that the person really had a cup. These were before um, uh, cell well, phones. This, this is was why an they actual had a room full of spare phones. Yes, right, this yes. was a big phone, and key- rotary phone. He just took it. And I had extra QWs, e- ERs, and Ts just in case they hit your head, and those go flying, and that's a terrible waste of a keyboard. But I mean, look, you have you have city raising, whatever, city raising Pulte home. Okay, so there again, that's someone who says, all right, the Fed's going to take rates up, sales are going to go down. And then sales are going to go up, and you have to anticipate that. And my experience is being that you anticipate—if you anticipate—you're basically going to lose a lot of money. You can't anticipate, particularly in tech. I see people buying Microsoft today; they think it's the—you know—it's over. Well, you know, if Microsoft were to say something right now that was negative, it, it, it's not over. It's not over. All right, well, we did reclaim 3,900 for a brief moment there. Dow's up 30. Let's get to Bob Pisani this morning. Hey, Bob. Yeah, we were up fractionally on the S&P. We're flattish now. But the fact is the S&P is up 1.4% to start the year. That is not bad and better than a lot of people predicted. The sentiment is very bearish right now. And the sectors that were laggards last year are tending to do a little bit better this year. Not right across the board, but so, for example, look at the sectors here. Consumer discretionary is tending to do a little bit better. Technology doing a little bit better. Uh, they were big laggards last year. Energy is also continuing to perform well. That was a big winner. Uh, healthcare, which was a comparative winner last year, is lagging a little bit this year. So it's not perfect, but, you know, the inverse usually works here. Uh, take a look uh, at where we're at. There's a lot of traders who don't want to believe the Fed, frankly. And there's a lot of potential conflict in the first half of 2023 because their soft landing is starting to gain some adherence. That's lower rates, lower dollar, and moderating wage growth. That's sort of the soft landing here. Then you have people like Bostic yesterday saying, we're going to raise rates above 5% and stay there for a long time. You almost expect them to come out and say, until hell freezes over, because they really want to get this point across. We're not going anywhere for a long, long time. The market doesn't seem to want to believe that. They seem to want to believe uh, that the Fed is using stale or old data. Uh, this is an accusation Jeremy Siegel has been making for a while on the, on the housing side of things, uh, and that eventually, sometime down the road, the Fed's going to blink. So we'll see. The, the waiting game is Thursday for the CPI right now. If that's benign, we'll probably get another move up in the market. In the meantime, Jim mentioned it's hard to find the leadership, a little bit of wandering around in the wilderness. So the recent market leaders here, the cruise lines did very well. They're down today. Boeing's had a good start to the year. It's down today. Uh, Alphabet was $90 yesterday. In the middle of the day, it was 90 I was doing something on that. And look, it's just back down here. 
uh, three or four dollars. So hard to get leadership in. But there is some general patterns here. So the, the comparative gainers of 2022, they're tending to be the comparative laggards uh, of, uh, of 2023. So there's Pfizer uh, comparative outperformer. Chevron was a big outperformer. It's down this year. Johnson & Johnson, Merck, Exxon. These were all big leaders uh, last year. They tend to be trading to the downside. And stuff that was the other way around, the comparative uh, laggards of 2022 are the gainers of 2023. You see NVIDIA, Meta, terrible 2022, Amazon, terrible 2022, all trading to the uptime, upside. So when people are a little confused, they turn to the old saws. And like I said, the S&P is up 1.4 percent. Uh, a couple of the old saws are working. That Santa Claus rally, it's the last five days of the old year, first two. That was positive. All right. That's a good sign. Then we had the first five days barometer when the first five days are up. January and the rest of the year tend to be up. That was positive. That concluded yesterday, up 1.4%. Now we get the January barometer. That's as goes January, so goes the year. We don't have that one yet, but two out of three ain't bad. Carl, back to you. Thank you, Bob Pisani. As we go to break, let's get a look at the bond report today. Obviously, Powell under our belt this morning, and we await CPI on Thursday. Got yields up across the curve, uh, two year back almost to four and a quarter, and the 10 year just about. Uh, three, five, eight or so. We'll be right back. Watch oil today uh, hovering just below 75. We've been watching uh, for that potential bid, as Jim said last week in the uh, high 60s, low 70s. FT with the piece today arguing that analysts see $100 a barrel oil looming again. We will watch it. In the meantime, uh, Dow almost exactly flat. We're back after a break. Jim, what's on that tonight? All right, we have Kotaro, which is a combination of Simrex and Cabot. Now, Cabot is oil and gas, and that gas is down very, very badly. This has been a, let's say, a, a bit of a torture merger because natural gas is down a lot and because uh, maybe Cabot wasn't as good as we thought. But, boy, is Simrex great, and that was where Tom's from. So I can't wait to speak to That's an amazing story. Yeah. Not at all what we thought going into the winter. No, that gas is a great deflationary issue, and people don't talk about it other than negatively, which I don't get at all. <laughs> we'll see you tonight Okay, thank Mad you. Money, 6 p.m. Eastern time. You've been listening to the opening hour of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.